0: big sky, big potential. In association with Mills and Reeve, this is Eastern Promise, achieving more together. From the east of England to the whole wide world and all the ships at sea, this is the Eastern Promise podcast, exploring the full potential of the UK's most exciting region. Stand by for action. I'm Mike Rigby and welcome to episode 84 of the Eastern Promise podcast, wherein we'll be returning to our very popular series on how the Norfolk Brecks can support the growth of Cambridge we've reassembled our panel of experts to lay out why success is a team game where everyone wins. This time round, we're looking at commercial space in general, and in particular, Snetterton Business Park. And finally... Tis the season for the Office Yuletide Shindig, but where do you hold your Christmas cracker, eh? We're making a list, we're checking it twice... IT'S A CHRISTMAS CROWD SORCERY! Earlier this year, Eastern Promise convened two expert panels to consider how the Norfolk Brecks can support the growth of Cambridge. The push for laboratory space in Cambridge has brought forward some controversial applications in the city, such as converting the Grafton complex and the Beehive Centre. And so, I wanted to explore whether other parts of our region can offer alternative solutions. Not by providing laboratory space outside Cambridge, after all, cluster's gonna cluster, but by accommodating those businesses making way for lab space. Whilst keeping them within easy reach of Cambridge, with plentiful land, direct rail and road connections, and separated from Cambridgeshire by just a sliver of Suffolk, the Norfolk Brecks is an excellent place to start. And so, having looked already at the strategic opportunities afforded by the growth of Cambridge, This time we're laser-focused on commercial and industrial space in the Brex. Paul Downing, director of Snetterton Business Park, invited Eastern Promise to visit the park and record the next instalments of our podcast series there. Could we say no? We could not. In this first panel, we look at the specific opportunities at Snetterton and the views of its flagship tenant. Those of you who have listened to the first two parts of our little sub-mini-series on how the the the, Brecks, the Norfolk BREX, can support the growth of Cambridge will be delighted to join us again, I'm sure, to investigate Snetterton Business Park, which is absolutely just off the A11. And I'm delighted to have this fantastic panel here to discuss... Both Snetterton Business Park and the wider commercial benefits that uh, companies, not just in Cambridge but all across the country, all across the globe, can 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 reap in this this fantastic region. I'm going to start by asking one of our first guests, Andrew Holdsworth of Breckland Council, to tell us briefly what he does for that fine institution. And then, Andrew, could you describe to us uh, your your remit, perhaps and Breckland's approach to economic development and sites such as this big commercial
1: business parks so uh, my name's Andrew Holdsworth I'm one of the assistant directors at Breckland District Council I guess for us economic development's a really important part of the role of a district council creating more jobs more sustainable jobs locally is one of our key priorities and the place where we find ourselves sitting here today is really really important in that context so in the kind of slightly wider boundaries of where we sit, the, the, the kind of widest Neston area is one of the largest standalone employment sites in Norfolk, if, if not the largest. So we've got about 40 hectares of developed land already, a further 50 allocated through the planning process, and significant expansion potential on top of that, maybe another 75 hectares. So one of the things I think is really important to impress is that the scale of opportunity here is, is immense, and, and the ways that could be leveraged and the ways that could be developed are, are really, really exciting. It is incredibly important to to the district. So at the moment we're we're a net exporter of labour. So there are more people who go and work a- outside of our our borders than we'd necessarily like, and we'd want to see more and more employment growth created locally. It's also where we sit strategically, incredibly important. So there are about 10,000 homes that are being built um, just around us, either at the urban extension at Athelborough or just further down the A11, um, the urban extension at Thetford. So creating more employment opportunities for residents who are coming and moving in here is really important and it also helps we think as part of the offer for investors and people looking to move into the district um i guess we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what what this site offers and what it could offer in the future but for us it's brilliant to see it home to loads of really exciting brands i know we'll, we'll talk a bit more about quick make and what they do but we've got the likes of Hitachi, sharp nature's menu kettle foods fairfax and favor so there's lots of exciting big name stuff happening here but lots of exciting smaller businesses as well and for us one of the reasons Snetterton is so important it is a, a, a really big important commercial centre but there's also a really important leisure offer here as well we've got the Sneston circuit just over the road from where we are sitting and lots more potential development in that space as well so Snetterton sits at the heart of of our uh, economic strategy at the moment Paul Downing you are our next guest on the
0: panel could you explain to us what your your role is here at the business park and just tell us about uh, about the part the facilities here more than perhaps in in more uh, slightly more detail
2: thank you mike um paul downing director sneston park so we purchased the site probably five or six years ago now former sunday market and and spent the last five years refurbishing the existing buildings and Seeking occupiers for them and building new units, bespoke units for people such as Pandasil, Hitachi, Sharp, uh, to name just a few, and um, Equipmake, who are here today as well. Purpose-built facility. So, our vision is to develop this entire site. It's a 65-acre site. We currently have developed about 25 acres of it. So there's a, there's another 40 acres to go at, um, and we share the vision with Breckland Council of of making this destination an economic growth um, and development area Uh, and that's something we're very passionate about
0: Uh, one of the reasons i i I sort of was really pleased to get you to the first part of our conversation on these issues and why i'm really really pleased to be here today is that People will have seen in the news and various things. And and, and it's not the be all and end all. There are other sites and the level of investment, the level of government interest to Cambridge, which is very close at hand in relative terms. It's about a 40 minute drive. There's direct rail options are not, not too far from where we're sitting now. And there are going to be people in Cambridge because of the drive for lab space who I think are going to be quite interested in selling up to to cash in on that that push for labs. I and mean, when all sorts of places, uh, listeners in Cambridge will know the Beehive Centre, uh, which is a little sort of shopping complex, that's going to have, have a, a laboratory add-on conversion. Uh, the Grafton Centre, the same, uh, another shopping complex that's going for labs. People are, are, can be looking for where they are, can relocate. And I think just as a, as an outsider this, this this has got to be really strongly in the mix so what what kind of tenants are you, are you looking to provide for in the future or are you kind of really open to whoever whoever whomever knocks on your door i, I think i think there's
2: four key landowners at snethston and we're one of them i think our site lends itself to sort of more hybrid space so a mix of office and warehousing but you know you've got a logistics center here a um, very well known logistics center We've also got, over the other side of the road, um, large-scale manufacturing. So the, I think Sethston Heath as an area lends itself really well to a, a range of businesses. Uh, us per, you know, We'd like to see on our park, as I say, the more hybrid-style units. And we, we deliver a bespoke unit so every occupier gets an opportunity to have some input into the layout, design of their premises so that it's something that they, they sort of buy into at an early stage um, and
0: hopefully want to stay here long-term. I'm going to come to, to James in just a second, but f- before we do, Andrew, in terms of Breckland's local plans, uh, are you is it still emerging your your local plan, or is it em- has it emerged in the, in its all its
1: glory? Has the nature of planning is constantly emerging. So we have an adopted local plan which commits significant lands for employment. But we're also in the process of updating our local plan, and through that we've seen a number of additional sites be put forward in this area, so obviously there's still a, an important plan making process going through, but mm-hmm. this is currently very important to us and in in all likelihood will continue to be at least if not more important in a, in a planning sense as we move forward. So when you talked about the amount of, of land available, were you talking about currently allocated
0: or will be allocated?
1: Yes, both, and both there there's right. kind of there is a significant opportunity already in terms of allocated land. We're working in the context of where we're sitting at the moment with Sneddon Park at the moment in terms of a really important outline application to make sure we've got a sort of accelerated planning environment for for new tenants to to, to come in and occupy. There's a number of landowners here, as, as Paul's mentioned. We've been working on a joint master plan across the whole site so we can start to see collaboratively how things can come forward and the different kind of development opportunities that we can be looking to support.
0: Well, In the second
1: half of this session, we've got uh, Anna Alders from Mills and Reeve and I know some the joint master
0: plan angle is something I'm going to very much uh, want to, to talk through with her, but James, James Bishop, Chief Operating Officer of Equipmake. Welcome to the Eastern Promise podcast. Um, could you just tell us, for those who have been living on Mars, uh, what Equipmake
3: do and the benefits of this site for your operations? Yeah, so thanks, Mike. Yeah, so Equipmake specialise in designing and manufacturing high-performance traction motors and inverters. Uh, They go in various different um, industries, so automotive, heavy commercial, off-highway, aerospace, and we are currently got a space launch at the end of this year as well, with our motors and verters in as well, which we're really proud of. We sort of ended up at Snackden because we're we're based at Heffel, which is um, mainly an incubator centre. When I joined Equipmake, we had one warehouse and one office. When we left, I think we had about eight units in total, which is not really what that's designed for we had units right down one end of the corridor to the other. So I spent my whole time walking up and down the corridor. So I, I lost quite a bit of weight actually, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's no way to run a business. So uh, we, we sort of bumped into Paul. I think Ian actually did the initial introduction with Paul. Um, Ian Foley, who's the- yeah, Ian Foley, our CEO and, and founder. I'd only been with Equipmate for about six months at that time. So Ian started off the process of trying to find some land. Once Paul came in, I got involved, uh, met Paul in 2017, I think it was. But, when, when we started negotiating, um, the great thing about this site was Paul, they're really flexible. Paul was, or Stetland Business Park was really flexible. We said this is roughly what sort of space we wanted. Um, and we're quite lucky because the building frame was there. And essentially, we, they just fit out of the inside however we wanted it. So it worked really well. Like Paul said, in from us early on is we designed the office space, meeting rooms um, and different manufacturing areas. So that was really good as well. I think one of the key bonuses for us was, um, we had to put barely any capital in because Paul put it onto the rent essentially. So that way, we got all the renovation work we wanted at no real extra cost, just cost per foot. So that was really good for us as well at that point.
0: That's a, it's a really, really interesting example, Paul, of of flexibility and being adaptive to the needs of the business. I mean, how how integral to your model is that uh, that Adaptivity, adaptivity—is that a word? It is now. Write that down. Uh, that ability to adapt to the needs of the consumer, that bespoke offer—how important is that to uh, your your offer, Paul?
2: I think that's what's um, led us to attract so many uh, names to the site. We're not—we're not renting out boxes here um, that they've got to try and s- sort of squeeze themselves into or fit around the layout. We're giving them the opportunity to create a bespoke premises, which is purpose-built. So, like James said, they had complete control over the layout and design of the internals. Uh, and that their their requirements are very unique and very specific. Uh, a standard warehouse unit with an office in the corner just wouldn't have sufficed. So I think it it's certainly what's created a lot of interest on the site is that we're
0: able to deliver these bespoke units. Andrew, obviously uh, Breckland, either through your holdings or just being aware of uh, across the patch, we'll have various uh, obviously pre-built, pre-configured spaces available for, for startups and and, and new companies and companies that want to scale up their operations. How useful is it though to have uh, on the end of a telephone or an email, someone like Paul to say, people are looking to come into the Breckland area. Here is someone who will provide you the space you want. And as we've heard from, from James and from Equipmake, to be really uh, flexible and open
1: to whatever needs you might have, it is incredibly, incredibly important and incredibly powerful. So, as you say, we are we are quite a large commercial stockholder ourselves, and we've got um, a, a lot of a lot of well occupied units. But one of the challenges we have in Breckland is there is an undersupply currently of good commercial space, and a real want and a need for for providing more. Um, so having private sector partners like like Paul and his colleagues is is essential and our role as we see it really is to try and get out of the way as much as we can for the for the key bits and and help out around the edges where we can so um, uh, last year the council designated this a specified growth location so we've uh, applied a kind of rates relief policy here so um, people like Paul can be guaranteed that for new tenants New tenants can expect a minimum rate relief for a, for a period of time, going up to 100% if we can demonstrate that there's a positive employment benefit for that. It's kind of a small example of how we can help to make sort of take the edge off some of the costs. We, we've also tried to play a role in unlocking and tackling some of the infrastructure challenges that, that, that are faced. So as with lots of sites across Norfolk, there are constraints and challenges. Power was a particular challenge here. And with the support of the LEP and Norfolk County Council, we were able to bring forward funding for a new substation, which was energised earlier this year to release six MVA of power going up to 36 MVA. And that's hopefully a kind of real catalyst to seeing a lot more growth at pace now on the site. But in all of that, our role really is to help where we can, take the edge off some problems where we can, work with partners like the county and the LEP, but hopefully let, let Paul do the stuff that he's really good at, which is providing a, a, an excellent environment for business to grow.
0: I think that's what I, I particularly like about this conversation, about sort of focusing in on the Brecks, that that uh, the relationship between the county and Breckland, as I say, again, from an outsider, although albeit with sort of fairly long experience, but is really positive, is really constructive, and to, to sort of, not not singing on the same hymn sheet, because that, that seems sort of manufactured, but that kind of... Willingness of all parties to just get behind the, the the economic development program and say, do you know what, we really believe we can deliver something really, really marvelous. I think it's really, really powerful.
2: I think the um, investment in the uh, primary, the new primary substation, is testament to how county and local government have pulled together to deliver something that this area needed to facilitate growth. And then now, as landowners, we've set up an SPV to to deliver. So SPV. Uh, uh, Special purchase vehicle yeah so or a, joint, or, a, or a JV that's a joint venture yeah between <laughs> between us and another and um, three other landowners to, to deliver a new electrical distribution ring you know it's a, it's a sizable investment from us but you know Bretland were able to deliver this primary substation which was huge investment.
0: Chris Starkey, who's off, off, off to my left, has handed me a note saying special purpose vehicle. So thank you, Chris. Thank you. Um, it's like Dictionary Corner on Countdown. You're my, you're my Susie, aren't you? Um, so, James, what kind of plans have you got for the future that you think this site is really going to help you deliver?
3: So we did an IPO last July you, please, please don't make me uh, force you to explain the TLA. the uh, okay. acronym. So, so it's an initial public offering of our um, stock for a quick make. So we decided to float the business on the fundraise. So we raised about 16 million pounds last year. 16? Um, oh, 16. 16, sorry. 16. Yeah. One 1.6. One six last year. Part of that plan was we needed a building like two months after we raised the money because we had orders we had to deliver. Mm. So luckily... There's a big site at Scotto where the hangars are. So we've been in discussions, I think, with the council on that for last probably two years, looking at potentially moving there short-term or longer-term. We're just looking at to start with as an option. We took that on probably about four months ago, I believe, um, and we've currently filled that site up where we've got 15 uh, vehicles up there. We're converting them. Some are US fire trucks, which we were talking about earlier. Oh, yes. Coaches, buses as well. So um, that, that's going really well. Longer-term... We don't know what it brings. Running two sites is quite hard for a business, mm-hmm. and in an ideal world, Paul knows this. And we've been talking to local council about having everything under one roof. So, longer term, I think one of the attractions to our unit here was we've also got. Um, I think we still got a planning extension, haven't we, on ours? Option. We, yeah, we did. We we actually did a, a design initially. Yeah. How it could be expanded. Yeah. So so we we initially when we did it with Paul we said, this is for us today, but we want to grow the business so can we have an option onto the right hand side out the back that actually wasn't big enough option for us <laughs> so so we had and the lead time we, we we discussed about activating it but the lead time was quite long as well um, and obviously at Scotto there's some big hangers up there which is ideal for us but longer term I can't tell you exactly what we're going to do but there's been discussions about having everything under one roof it's easier to run a business but also there's quite a bit of space around here as well right so I think it could play a big part of our future.
0: What attraction is proximity of the the sort of road network and the?
3: Well, our CEO lives around here. So so that's attraction for the business because obviously it's his, his business. But also, we, I think we moved everyone from Heffel before we were here. And we're lucky we didn't lose that many people because it's literally like a 10-minute drive down yeah, the road. Yeah, it is. So we don't really want to do that again. So the, the, the idea of the attraction would be to stay sort of in this area, as a business, we don't really want to leave Norfolk full stop. We're settled here. We've got, we've got 16 different nationalities working for us in Norfolk. Wow. So we've, we've got a hub here. We're happy here. With the A11, you've got good... I mean, you can get to the Midlands in about two and a half hours, so it's not too bad. Mm. Our clients don't really moan about it anymore coming over here. They don't overly like going to Scotto because that's like another hour on top. I think this is a good area for us, really. So yeah. we're really happy. And like you said... At this site we pull people in from like Norwich, just north of Norwich. But also we have employees from like Fetford, Bury St Urbans Way. So that actually the catchment area is quite mm. big for employment as well for us.
0: Yeah.
3: And when we go to the other site up at Scotto, you know, we're we're pulling in people in from like Great Yarmouth, Deerham and, and different areas as well. So yeah. they both got, it's got it's got a lot of positives being here. Absolutely. That's
0: that's marvelous. And Paul what kind of clues can you give to the? I mean, obviously, you both you and Andrew have alluded to the sort of future cap- capacities, capacity on this site, uh, the the potential here, and um, could you just uh, what plans do you have for that future? I mean, is is there more land available to you or to the other organ- uh, landowners here that 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 isn't ready to sort of be to go into the local plan process as yet?
2: So part of the, the reason for doing our outline planning application within, well, with Breckland at the moment is because not all of our site is allocated. So by doing the outline planning permission, not only does it bring all of this site, hopefully if we're successful, into being commercial development land, but it, it brings forward another 40 acres today that we can develop with the local plan, the new local plans. When's that coming at? Two years time? Three years time? Yeah, so you know, seats to adoption about two years time. Yeah, so we, that was some way off for us, and we wanted to be able to fast track applications and be able to say to somebody, you can go anywhere on this site, and these are the reserve matters we've got to we've got to deal with to get a building up on the site. So it is the idea is to fast track applications and to show commitment to everybody that this is
0: we've got big plans for this site. That's I mean it's it's really exciting. And just to have the, the the service area is quite nice as well. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um and Then that got me think, got, like, thinking about the, the site the other day because I, I sort of pass it pass it uh, quite a lot to going to and from uh, my daughter's school. But in terms of engagement with the, SNES, the wider Snyston community, I mean, these things can always get quite uh, tense. I suppose is is is, is a good word. Uh, that was a word, that was a discussion I was having with planners from Bidwells uh, yesterday about onshore wind. I'm sure Andrew uh, has had his fair a fair share of public meetings. <laughs> He's smiling. He's giving a wry smile now to indicate it in the affirmative. What's the engagement been like with the with the local community? Because I have this kind of fanciful idea in mind that there might have been a lot of objections, but they actually quite like being able to nip to the garage for a loaf of bread kind of affair.
2: I, 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 th- I don't think the services are an necessarily an issue. I think um, anybody that lives in the local area is used to the noise from the racetrack. So what we're doing here isn't actually adding any... There's certainly no noise pollution coming from the units on site. I think if you're the other side of the A11, there's a risk that you know light pollution to the village, which has been addressed um, by some of the occupiers over there already. This side of the road doesn't tend to, you know, this side of the A11, our side, it doesn't seem to face quite so much opposition um, Mm -hmm. from the villagers because I don't think what we're doing is is necessarily disturbing them. I think look. Change Nobody likes change, and yes. but but if we 're going to grow you know, increase the number of, ha- the amount of housing in Attleborough and Thetford we've got a resource there uh, the, the, the Norwich to Cambridge tech corridor is a great vision, and we need to deliver it and this seemed like the right
0: site to do it absolutely and perhaps just to follow up and just perhaps to, to, to wind up this section could you, could you indulge my curiosity on the, sort of the nature of the rail? Networks that are running around here don't. There's sniggering going on. I don't. I don't sit there with a pen, pen a little notebook and a pencil, and lick the pencil before I write in it. But, but what's the nature of that? Because I on a, on a just on a Google search, I saw that I think one of the units around here has got like a, a spur onto the onto the main line. There's a
2: railhead,
1: isn't there? I, I actually don't know. very Oh, maybe what I should be asking you, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the adjacent site, which is all part of the, the sort of Sneddon commercial hub owned by Johnson's logistics that has a spur direct off the um Norwich to to Cambridge line there is also just on the very edge of what what we kind of identify as the employment area here um the Eccles Road station which mm. is a passenger station on the line just between Attleborough and Thetford it is something which features in the kind of longer term vision aspiration the sort of significant opportunity there it's kind of a, somewhat underutilized at the moment but could certainly be part of the long-term aspiration for a, for a site like this. And it's well, yeah,
0: that, I would imagine the ability for people to just, for me, from one end of the line or the other, to come and just jump off and, and be right in the heart of the park. Uh, that was something I was going to hope t- to raise with Chris Starkey. I know he loves talking about um, about uh, dealing with uh, dealing with network rail. So that's, that's something I'm going to bring up with him in a minute. And he's smiling off to my left, listener, although you can't see it. James, I really would love to come back and, and learn more, cover more, about uh, what Equipmake does Andrew thank you as always always welcome here I've picked, I've picked on him while he's taking a swig of water
3: <laughs> so oh, maybe it. I'll cover one quickly so yeah Mike uh, we'll have to set a date up um, yes please come over to this site have a have a factory tour um, and then we'll go over to the other site as well Ooh. and we'll get you to drive on the buses Is it? so uh, <laughs> yeah well really
1: happy now
0: Paul, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thank you for, you really sort of, you reached out and sort of really said, oh, well, let's, let's take this conversation to the next level. And it's a real pleasure to be here. And just the potential here is massive and you can really sort of feel it as you're, you're walking around that there's so much uh, so much still here to be done that can be done. Thank you for inviting us and all power to your elbow, sir. Yeah,
2: that, thank you for the for being the voice for Snetterson.
0: Thank you to Andrew, Paul and James for that really upbeat and exciting discussion. Now, in this second panel, we look at the wider commercial and industrial offer in the Norfolk Brecks and how to take advantage of that. Anna Aldous from Mills and Reeve and Chris Starkey from Norfolk County Council join our panel. As the hum of the air conditioning dies away... Um... That was a wonderful sort of tour around Snetterton Business Park, and uh, the the huge uh, opportunity for any business to come and and uh, and have a part of this site, which is so well located, such such a prime location uh, in Norfolk, but uh, very close to Suffolk and within very easy reach of uh, Cambridge and points south, north and uh, west of that as well. To discuss the wider issues emerging from this park and 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 uh, the way we. In Norfolk, are uh, seeking to attract new businesses to come here, and the way we provide sort of the, the, the really this really sort of cutting edge modern business space, who better to turn to than Norfolk County Council's Director of Growth and Investment? Is that right, Chris? That is correct. Ah, fantastic, uh, Chris Starkey, who is always always welcome on Eastern Promise. Chris, start by asking you what you make of this site and and where sites like this one sit in the, 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 the grand scheme of things from from, uh, from your, your spot at County Hall.
4: Okay, So from a Norfolk perspective, actually from a regional perspective, Snetterton is a fantastic opportunity, possibly the biggest uh, opportunity right now in the county. I say that because it's rare to have the infrastructure already in place. So having a, a dual carriageway and a grade-separated junction... The things that uh, transport planners love, but are terribly expensive uh, to deliver, um, and land to die for. Um, we talked; to, you talked in the earlier section about the electricity challenges and uh, and and so on. But those are being those are being met. Um, and so, so, I think Snetterton is is beautifully positioned. It's beautifully positioned because of the types of industry that 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 we think have great potential. In Norfolk and in the region over the over the coming years, and with the growth in housing planned for Attleborough, for Thetford, for Norwich, for Cambridge, there the sh- there should be no shortage of shortage of potential employees.
0: When we first did this panel discussion at Breckland Council, you uh, very, you very rightly pointed out that obviously Cambridge is is not the be all and end all there are many other points in the country who would be uh, who, who would be fools if they denied themselves the opportunity to to look at a site like this that being said how active are you able to be in sort of pursuing those those companies and sort of advertising the fact that this site is standing ready willing and able and that you're going to get more bang for your buck bluntly if you're planning to sell up in the cambridge area to make space for labs
4: um, so I think um, Snetterton stands on its own two feet as, a, as an attractive investment location or a location in which to invest. Cambridge is busy, expensive, but of course has, uh, has centres of expertise and, uh, and intellectual capital on, on its doorstep. If you need space, and you need the flexibility about growth because we've we've heard about equipment and and wanting to move here, but the ability to to continue growing, it's hard to reserve space you want to grow in. Well, it's hard to get space anyway in Cambridge, let alone oh, and by the way, we we might want some more space. They'd just laugh at you if you said if you said that. So so uh, and and yet it's it is beautifully located in terms of its proximity on the Cambridge Norwich corridor. Mid mid between uh, Norwich and Cambridge, so we at the county council think it's a, a has great development opportunity. Agree entirely with our colleagues at Brecon around that, and I think the the, the most important thing that development wise has happened is that you have a a group of developers willing to work together uh, with a constructive, a creative, optimistic vision, for, but also willingness to invest themselves. So. Um, you know you have uh you have proactive developers wanting to to make things happen being agile being flexible working with the local authorities who are wishing willing to do, do our bit to try and move away some of the barriers which is really the primary role of local authorities is kind of get out of the way uh get decisions done and, and 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 support and so on so so i think in set we have we have really um and so a really great place and so that's great that you 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 wish to highlight it and 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 tell more people about it because to be honest that's the one thing holding it back. Not everyone knows about it. You know,
0: there's there's uh, one of the recent uh, programs we did on Eastern Promise. We took someone uh, who listens to the, the the podcast, who's actually the Life Sciences and Healthcare Partnership Lead for Cambridge University, and. It was a tour of the Quadrum Institute. They were very happy to welcome her, very happy to give her the tour. She sort of wore the mic, not me for the tour. And outside, I sort of we sat down and said, "They can't." I said to her, "Dr. Tammy Dugan, they can't hear you now." What did you make of it? And the first words out of her mouth were, "I didn't know this was
4: here." Mm.
0: Uh, I, I do worry sometimes that Nor- Norfolk sometimes seems to uh, lie low and hope no one notices. But I certainly hope they will notice this place. They absolutely should, Anna. Anna Aldus, who's brilliantly, fantastically returned from the previous panel. Mills and Reeve, just remind us what you do work with Mills and Reeve.
5: Yeah, so I'm a principal associate in our real estate team based uh, in both Norwich and Cambridge. Very apt for the podcast. And I specialise in large scale mixed use development sites. So both inclusive of residential and employment and all the community realm that comes with that as well.
0: So as a, as a completely neutral observer, what do you what do you make of what you've seen and what you've heard so far?
5: I think it's fantastic. I think, as Chris said, it is such a rarity to have a site of this scale ready made, ready to go. Um, I am a firm believer that these projects have to be infrastructure led and to not have to deliver access to a dual carriageway right in the middle of two fantastic innovation hubs in Norwich and Cambridge. With lots of housing on the doorstep as well, you know, people would be tripping over themselves for those kind of sites. So I think what we're dealing with actually is something really special to begin with. That said, I think Paul is doing a phenomenal job uh, in nurturing that development. And something I'm really passionate about is stewardship. I think when you bring forward sites of this scale and this size, we've heard about the number of landowners, we've heard about the number of occupiers, what's really crucial is somebody with a single vision uh, willing to drive that project forward, and I think actually that's where where Paul and his company add some real value here.
0: I mean, how... How rare is that from your point of view? To, I mean, you, you must work with a lot of people who work together, quite rub, rub along quite nicely. But for a site of this scale, how rare is that to find that kind of unity and, you know, someone like Paul, who's wants to basically grab it by the scruff of the neck, and I have, I, I, you know, I absolutely know how you feel about that, but on a, on a much smaller scale, I know how you feel, to, to drag, that, drag that through and get that really uh, motoring.
5: It's probably one of the... Biggest hurdles, I would say, to getting these sites of this scale off the ground. Once you get past the infrastructure issue, it becomes funding. You know, there's also considerations around sustainability and transport, design. There are so many moving components, as I'm sure Paul doesn't need me to to reiterate. But having somebody sitting in there almost as a custodian uh, of the site and wanting to drive it forward is rare Um, and actually I thought Chris summed it up really nicely it's actually working with local authorities who know when to pull the levers off actually what's really nice about um, feeding in from the Cambridge ecosystem these business parks work really well um, when you bring in innovation you have that culture of innovation but things like seed funding business rates relief letting people grow having the flexibility to do so in terms of space as well as money um it's a really good example of actually people working together in a really constructive way to their own strengths
0: again one of the reasons i love doing this is to satisfy my own curiosity but just talk us through what your sort of everyday role is as a as a as a, as a lawyer with uh, with Mills and Reeve because I'm just I'm fascinated. You obviously you know you know you know your onions, but uh, yeah, if you just sort of outline what you do.
5: Um, so the nuts and bolts are obviously the legal agreements that go to supporting these kind of parks so it ranges from site acquisition and site assembly giving people the ownership of the land to bring the park forward taking it through the planning process uh, supporting the construction of units because obviously there will be legal relationships to parties on sites uh, supporting people like Paul in terms of the leasehold agreements um, and the portfolio management sort of the ongoing management of licenses licenses that kind of thing um all the way over to further disposals supporting infrastructure that kind of thing so huge range of things
0: and you and i remember vividly and i'll come on to andrew in a second but i remember vividly one of your key pieces of advice when we first had this discussion in a wider context at Breckland council was about the importance of a master plan and obviously you've heard those the, the, that magical word already uttered this afternoon do you want to just sort of for those who might not have heard the first one just t- talk us through from your point of view the importance of having that master plan and and that kind of shared vision between all the parties
5: i mean it, i think it's key to driving the project forward um the one mantra i have uh on large-scale development is flexibility not prophecy So whilst you do have a master plan, I think that's important for coordination in terms of things like design, funding, uh, establishing the community, both the employment and the sort of residential that will support that. That master plan is your linchpin to, to doing it coherently and bringing it all together. I think the developments that are less successful do master planning either very rigidly flexibility not prophecy um, particularly you know, when you've got 65 acres here it's not going to happen overnight we've already talked about James's lead in time for units, being able to flex that uh, is important and I think that's where local authorities really can help as part of the planning process I know we like not to moan on this podcast, I have my own thoughts about uh, the, the planning system in and of itself but Having those um, outline planning permissions, the broad permission to do something that has the flexibility within it to grow with the site as the site grows and the occupiers in it, uh, I think that's going to be really key.
0: Fantastic, Andrew Holdsworth, Breckland Council. Can I just ask you to reflect before I bring Christaki in and give him a chance to tee up the the, the North the Norfolk, uh economic strategy? Just reflect on what you've heard so far and what this this means for Breckland
1: going forward over the next the coming years. Yeah, it's great to hear. It's We know we're fortunate enough to be kind of in a place where this amazing opportunity exists and in, in, in it's very difficult until people come down here. Even when you come down here, just spend time driving around and see the scale of potential opportunity here. Uh, I guess to pick up on some of the things you've just heard, I, I think there is a degree of uniqueness here and it's one of those issues is that we're actually talking about five landowners with a big shared vision that I think is really impressive in that it is cohesive but it is very flexible there is a very diverse range of offer that a, a potential investor could find here whether it's um as we've heard earlier some businesses really aren't interested in freehold ownership because that's just not their bag they don't want to be holding property they want to be doing what they want to do best others are absolutely wanting to own their own sites and there is that mixed offer here across across the whole space i know you're one of the points you, you 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 articulate very well is the the opportunity of lab space and lab ground space i think one of the the beauties of this site is there are scale to do that but it's not just that. We see, we see a lot of inquiries around manufacturing, production um, A new logistics centres just um, opening across the road. There is a, already a very large centre for uh, alternative energy production with the um, power plant across the road. There's a kind of interesting set of synergies happening here that, that can feed in and support a number of industries. Uh, one inquiry that we're working with at the moment as well around um, training provision and, and education. A real mm. keenness for providers to be much closer to the businesses that they want to be um, providing talent into um, and, and a sense f- from the, the kind of FE sector that they can see that something's growing here and they would like to have a, a footprint on the space as well. So we see the potential quite diverse in what this could be, but, but perhaps tied around a few key sectors that, that, that really work uh, in Norfolk. Absolutely. So, Chris, I'm going to make good my uh, promise slash threat to
0: ask you, uh, having spotted it on on LinkedIn uh, that uh, you're holding workshops about the Norfolk economic strategy, what can you tell us?
4: Okay, so what's the Norfolk Economic Strategy? Why are we having a strategy? What's the point of an economic strategy? Is that presumably is your, well, your I mean, range it's a, of questions? It's, 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 yeah? it's, it's firmly within the county's
0: bailiwick to have an economic strategy. Um, <laughs> so you know, I'm just excited to, to to hear what's
4: what's going into that, the conversations you're having, and and any anything you can share. Yeah. So so the purpose of uh, an economic strategy really is to take a look at what are the things that we're doing well, we're doing badly. Uh, what are the needs of businesses, what a company is telling us they need. Is it space? Is it money? Uh, is it staff? Um, and so on. And then act as a kind of uh, a blueprint then for that growth. Um, that'll enable government to invest in the area. It'll enable local government to invest in the area. It'll attract private private sector investment in, into the area and so on. So, um, and, and why we're we doing it? Well, the economy is changing. I mean, I think, Economies evolve over time. Economies move you know, over the generations and so on. But we're certainly in a period of flux at the moment. Um, I think sort of jolted on by the pandemic, the financial crash 2008, changes in working patterns, new technologies, all of those things are kind of are making what a future economy will look like different from today. Of course, low carbon decarbonisation agenda and so on. So so we want to kind of look at all of those things in the round, um, look at um, employment levels, um, wage levels, skills levels. You know, have we got the right sort of jobs? Have we got the right sort of industries? How do we nurture and bring forward? How do we build on our strengths? How do we nurture and build uh, on um some of our really successful businesses, and where have we got gaps? Where are there, uh, and, and how can we k- kind of back those industries of the future and encourage them to either be based here because they were here to start with, or indeed attract them in? And um, on your earlier, uh, the earlier session, uh, we heard from a quick maker, make a perfect example of the type of business that um, uh, is really important to the UK's future, let alone. Brecklands, let alone Norfolk, let alone Snettertons, the UK's future. This is a business that's really a a real uh, technology pioneer in uh, electric uh, automotive space. Um, So how do we help businesses like EquipMake really choose to be here and want to stay here and be able to grow here? Um, and in a way, that's that's a kind of a snapshot of what the, the strategy is about. So it'll take in, you know, skills. What skills do we need to do? How, how do we need to invest in, in our universities and our colleges? It'll take in how to, what, what infrastructure, whether it's digital infrastructure, utilities. We, t- we talked about energy and power earlier. Um, and it'll also take, in, take into account what, what support, practical support, we, we need to uh, provide for businesses.
0: I mean, that's, that, that, uh, it seems obvious to me that that's the kind of thing that you would, a sensible, responsible local authority would engage in. And, and I would imagine, I'm looking at Andrew again now, and he looks at looks with <laughs> a certain amount of, well, what? Um, that's obviously a, within, within, the, within the purview of, of the responsibilities of a district council. You've, you have done and will do in the future similar things in terms of looking at how, how the, the, the business support side of things works, and that you'll keep that under review.
1: Absolutely. I, I wouldn't be in economic development if I didn't like good strategy every now and then. But I think what is really uh, positive about the way uh, Chris and his team are sort of approaching this is I think everyone's keen we, to, to make sure that our focus moving forward is on doing stuff and working to achieve and sort of address some of the challenges and opportunities um, in Norfolk. We've, we know what a lot of the things are that we need to do. Um, so we're absolutely constantly reviewing what the right thing is to do but focus will be
4: on delivery. And, and I think it's built with stress that uh, the strategy we're developing is a strategy for Norfolk. It'll be it's bottom up so that it comes from place. So we're working closely with Breckland colleagues on the future Breckland strategy making sure that's woven in making sure that it isn't a blank piece of paper the economic strategy because there's already established established really good work at a local level and at a county level uh, and we'll be looking to kind of build on those on those pieces it's why in a sense it, it describe it the first piece of the economic strategy is a stock take what's going on now mm. it's kind of um, how how we're we doing and, and and most importantly how do partners in particular parts of the county want to proceed because uh, we want to you know walk in lockstep with the work that Reckland's leading on um, in the market towns as a, as one example and here in Snetterton we we couldn't be more joined up on wanting to work uh, as a partnership bringing bringing forward the site so uh, so while uh, Breckland will have its strategy which will be more focused more granular we'll have a strategy which is countywide. the two will uh, the two will be quite similar <laughs>
0: Again, it's, it is it's one of the reasons I love doing it. it, not just because I live in Breckland and in Norfolk, but because there is that, I think, really, really good synergy. I'm not, I don't, and I don't wish to say that that's not happening with other uh, local authorities in Norfolk.
4: You spend too much time in Cambridge where they might <laughs> I'm sure I don't my, know what you mean. My, my, do, my, there might I, be more. Liked, uh, there might be more earthy conversations I do, between I do authorities like around, the,
0: around the region. That, <laughs> that is true. But one of the, the key mantras of Eastern Promises: we, we don't try and force everyone into an, amor- an amorphous blob. We take each part of the region on its own terms. And this is very much a conversation that uh, I'm not. I sound like I'm chiding you now. I'm not. I'm not in this, <laughs> any slight. You're having a bit of fun with me, and I enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, you know, it's it's it, what I love about doing this is you have those. Conversations conversations in in their own terms in 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 look focus focusing on what is best for them not trying to tell them from high, uh, way up high above that uh, what's best for the region is actually best for them and uh, that that's wonderful anna just have you any any last reflections i shall go round and see if any any last reflections have you any 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 thoughts you'd like to share paul's right here paul downing of of, of business park is is to my right he uh uh in, in space, not in politics, but... Um, <laughs> any any thoughts?
5: I'm not quite sure where to lead on from that, if I'm honest, Mr Rigby. Um, I think for me it's just a reiteration, actually, what a great job has been done today and the potential it has. Um, I think one of the other key things we haven't really talked about, actually, is the role of the, the patient capital approach that yes. uh, Smettiton has taken, and I think... Um, For companies like Equipmake, that has made a huge difference. If we're talking about economic growth, you know, allowing those innovative startups to move out of that expensive space in Cambridge somewhere like Snetterton with that patient capital approach is hugely beneficial. You know, giving them a breather uh, on funding, giving them flexibility of space that they can grow with, um, is an opportunity I don't think they're going to find in many other places.
0: Paul, what I'm going to do right now is, in just a second, I'm going to wheel back so you can come and take on this, take, just speak to this mic a second, and just give us an idea of, of, of what you've taken, sitting here listening to the second part of this discussion. Are you ready?
2: Ready. Go. <laughs> I think what I've taken from today is that um, just a reminder that we're all thinking along the same lines and trying to pull together to deliver um, our vision, and I think that I think that's great right from county through to local district district councils. And I think you're doing a marvellous job of sort of spreading the word, and we're, we're very grateful for that. And I think anybody that's looking for space uh, along the norwich cambridge Tech corridor should have a look at it, Snetterton. It's a great place to be. There's... Um, us, there are four other landowners here that are interested in space. You know, we're, together we can deliver, um, you know, some great commercial space, regardless of what industry you're in. Worth having a look, look at the, um, the joint venture website, which is dot It tells you about all the landowners, the incentives available by Breckland Council in terms of business rates and the types of, uh, the types of buildings and land
0: that are on offer um, for all the parties. Thank you very much, Paul. Anybody got any last reflections? I can cut this if, if everyone wants to shake their head at me and we can end it on that. Thumbs are up. Thumbs are up. Thank you ever so much, everyone. I've really enjoyed this discussion. Uh, it was uh, due to circumstances, it was a bit rough and ready, but we got there in the end. And uh, thank you. It's, it's, it's just wonderful to be here, wonderful to talk about the, the, the amazing things that are going. I don't, I, I never fail to end these sessions with, uh, with a smile on my face, but thank you all for coming. In our hyper-competitive world, we've become inured to the idea that, for every winner, there has to be a loser or losers. Not so. Success in our region is not a zero-sum game. Far from it, never has been. In fact, as games go, it's much more like a jigsaw or a model kit. The pieces don't fit together every which way. But, if we're wise together we can assemble something wonderful which we can all celebrate my thanks to everyone who took part in the discussion and Paul Downing at Snetterton Business Park for the very warm welcome and the Cadbury's chocolate mini rolls I'm glad he didn't check my pockets on the way out the door And now… An East of England Christmas wouldn't be complete without a Yuletide off his knees up to thank your team for their hard work across 2023. Christmas jumpers, silly hats and other festive trimmings are optional, but judging by the evidence, many of you are keen to take up the option. What is mandatory, however, is your enjoyment for this seasonal spell of. Crowd sorcery. Yes, crowd sorcery. Ho, ho, ho. In that festive spirit, I shall be interspersing your Yuletide merriment with some specially East of England themed cracker jokes. Oh, yes, I will. Yes, that's enough of that. First down the chimney is Tarquin Bennett Coles, senior partner at SCI Partners, advisor for Little Bean Journey Limited, pro bono mentor for the Homerton Changemakers, and careers in healthcare supporter for the MBA and EMBA students at the Judge Institute. Says Tarquin, we had our Secret Santa party with a twist! At our Tring office in Hertfordshire, Tarquin is referring to the photo posted on social media of some pretty wild eyewear choices that even Sir Elton John might balk at. Tarquin assures us that, yes, they are all wearing their normal glasses. Dr. Armabilita Martin, who's also a senior partner at SCI Partners, says that's two pairs in some cases. Okay then, here's your first Christmas cracker joke. Where in Norfolk do snowmen go for their spring break? Little melt-on. Well, I have bad news, folks. That was the high watermark of cracker-based humour. <clears throat> and now, Paula Beckenstein, MCIM, Commercial Biopharma Executive Senior Advisor, Board Director, Mentor, Serial Connector, Relentless Optimist, is the first of a fair few to seek warmer climes this winter. Off to sunny Buenos Aires, then ready for JP Morgan's conference in San Francisco in early January. Very nice. Uh, all I can say, Paula, is I fold up small and can fit into carry-on luggage. Right, next joke, where's that cracker? What are the first and last places in Cambridgeshire that Father Christmas visits? Yeah? First is really Ely, then late on Bromsworld. Oh. <laughs> And now, keen as mustard and fresh from making a mint, Jamie Dady, factory support at Condimentum, helping to produce the finest ambient ingredients, tells us they're having a little get-together at the Oaklands Hotel Norwich. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Now remember that when you're de-icing your car first thing on a very chilly morning. Okay, next in line for our rapid-fire salvo of cracker-bangers... Where in Suffolk does Father Christmas have to pause his deliveries? Thwaite. Yeah, that's fair. Another seeking winter sun is Stacy Weiser. To sunny and warm Florida. Festive tidings to you and yours. And to you, Stacy, And to you. And here's another festive fizzler. <laughs> Where in the east of England does Santa get his pants repaired? Sewem. So, um, Oh, come on, that one wasn't that bad. Hmm, back to your Christmas plans. Tom Abbott of Green Easy, Abbott Feudali Investments and Sustainable Consultancy. He has a very worthwhile plan for the big day, the open Norwich Christmas dinner for the homeless. Meanwhile, James Lee Burgess, digital design Jedi and all-round jolly good egg, is, like myself, a one-man band and solo operator. So, JLB is thankful to Steve Bjork of Eggbox Studios for organising a creative's last Friday social Christmas curry in two weeks at the Spice Lounge. Ooh, there's an idea. Yes, but here's another lead-lined laughter load. Ahem. Which Suffolk parish gets priority delivery from Santa? Rushmere. Yeah, again, pretty fair, pretty fair. And now to Norwich. Where Tracy Rhodes, campus host at Fuel Studios, are having their own festive knees up on Thursday at Fuel Studios Norwich. Lunchtime, afternoon fun planned, food, drinks, music. Axel Adventures meanwhile, who know no limit to the height their knees go up, is holding theirs on the 22nd, last minute indeed. Which reminds me... No, no, don't get ahead of yourselves. This one's not that bad. It's not very Christmassy, but then... I am faking them. Yeah, yes, I'm terribly sorry. Candy Richards, development manager for East Anglia at the Federation of Small Businesses. Says Candy, we had a right old festive knees up today, Mike. Over at the Warehouse Business Breakfast Club near King's Lynn. Do you know, Candy... Lynn remains a glaring omission on the Eastern Promise podcast. Thank you for that mention. Longtime listener and friend of this podcast, Michelle Chambers, business development manager at Chaplin Farrant, tells us the CF team are off to Farmyard, where they've saved a spot at this award-winning Norwich restaurant. They pair the best local produce with an electric attitude and passion for flavour. Looking forward to it, uh, says Michelle, not sure about raising Mother Brown's knees, but will certainly be raising her glass. What say you, Mother Brown?
5: yeah woohoo!
0: Speaking of farmyards, old Santa, of course, has Norfolk turkeys for his Christmas dinner. <laughs> what else? One for him, a couple more for his elves, and do you know how he comes by them? Shot some. Yeah, all right, never mind. That was the last one. All of them written in-house and by gum it shows. Finally, a proper, real special mention and a very Merry Christmas for our Mills and Reeve friends, without whom none of this would be possible. So, a special shout out to Deborah Dawson, Christine Joyce, Lucy Hamilton, and Matt Skipper. Thanks, Mike Rigby, posts Deborah Dawson. Mills and Reeve Cambridge office had their Christmas knees up at the beautiful King's College, Cambridge, last night. What a beautiful setting! It is a beautiful setting. Good food, amazing live band, and great company. It was brilliant! And on that party pack note, it's time to munch on a mince pie, down a quick glass of sherry, and leap on board the sleigh at the end of episode 84 of the Eastern Promise podcast, our penultimate episode of 2023. My thanks to Paul Downing, Chris Starkey, Anna Alders, James Bishop and Andrew Holdsworth for the enjoyable and encouraging discussions. Thank you to everyone who contributed to this week's crowd sorcery. And to Engineer 49 for another sterling job on location at Snetterton Business Park. Thank you again to Mills and Reeve for all their support. And if you want to get involved in the podcast in 2024, it's very simple. Go to easternpromise.org.uk, fill out the contact form, or email me directly at mike.rigby@easternpromise.site. at I'll be back next week for our final episode of 2023. So until then, bye for now. to hear other episodes of the Eastern Promise podcast. And to find out more about what we do, go to our website at easternpromise.org.uk. Eastern Promise is a Prior's Croft production in association with Mills and Reeve. Achieving more together.